Hi, everybody. Welcome to back to Black Culture, Black Thought. I'm Chelsea. This is Jody. Hey, everyone. It's Francesca. And before we get started with the episode, I actually just want to issue a trigger warning. We are going to be talking about the Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, um, Nina Pop, and Sean Reed's all of their murders. And these are all hard topics to talk about. I have... I've been having a hard time with the media surrounding it and just hearing about it. And I'm a big advocate of taking care of yourself through these moments and engaging on a level that you can engage and knowing when you need to disengage. So um, this is just a trigger warning. We will be talking about these topics. They are hard to hear. Make sure you take care of yourself throughout this episode if you continue to listen. So before we actually get into the topics, I actually just want to give a little bit of a background and Jody and Franny, you guys can like, you know, definitely jump in here because it's a lot of details surrounding mm-hmm. all of their deaths. And I want to make sure I'm accurate. I am, I'm going to be very honest. I have been engaging on a very minimal level to the point where I feel like it's still responsible, but still like really taking care of myself because I am mm-hmm. numb about all of these things. So I want us to just kind of go over briefly what's happening. And then I want to do something that I do with my students with you and Franny, Jody and Franny, where I just hacks you guys to do like a one word check-in or a one sentence check-in on how you are responding to this. So sorry, teacher Chelsea's coming out. Yes. Okay. But yeah, so we can start, I guess, with Ahmaud Arbery, who was killed in February. I'm not exactly sure of the date, and that's I'm like February twenty third. February twenty third. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So he was killed February twenty third while jogging, and two men, um, George Mc, you guys gonna have to Mc George Michael. Right? Michael. George <laughs> Sorry, my computer's broken, so I'm just doing this on my cell phone, and I don't have like access to multiple screens right now. So, um, <laughs> Freddie, why don't you actually do the introduction since you have? Do you want to do that about Omar? Yeah, Yes. <laughs> okay. So, um, Ahmad Arbery, um, he was a 25 year old black man who was jogging, um, on the 23rd, uh, on the outskirts of Brunswick, Georgia, when he was followed by three, actually three white men, um, two of which was a father and son, uh, Travis and Gregory McMichael. And the third was a recorder, uh, the guy who recorded a video of the actual killing happening. Um, so they re- they didn't release the video of the killing until later, but these men were free to walk instantly after the killing um, and were not arrested until nine weeks later. Um, why weren't these men arrested? Um, they told the police that Ahmad looked like a suspect in several break-ins in the neighborhood, which was later surfaced that, um, from public records that that wasn't true. Um, there was only one recording of a break-in in the neighborhood. Uh, there were like three different prosecutors who covered the case. The first who recused themselves because of ties with that McMichael's family. Um, and basically they also, when they did handle it, they basically said there wasn't enough evidence. There was insufficient evidence to actually say that the two men who, who literally trapped Ahmad while he was running, killed him. They said that there was, an insuffi- there was insufficient evidence that they did any wrong because they were acting in self-defense under Georgia's law and um, a citizen's arrest under Georgia's law. So it was really troubling because literally 
only in America, some craziness like that could happen where a man can get literally followed, mm-hmm. killed, and his killers are let are free to walk. And let's not forget that. Um. Okay. So, which one was it? Gregory. Mm-hmm. He was yeah, uh, Gregory, just talking about yeah. him. Gregory being... McMichaels is a retired law enforcement enforcement officer and investigator who also worked with the Glen County police officers. So. He was favored in this whole situation to the point where there was even a time where one of the Glen County police officers told one of the neighbors, if you see any, if you see any, you know, activity going on from your cameras, then you can contact Greg, which is really crazy because Greg Greg is a retired officer. He's no longer an acting officer. He no longer has a badge, no longer has any rights. No and longer he actually had power. his law enforcement certification taken away from him because he refused to keep up with training. So oh, that's what happened before he retired. He had it taken away from him prior that's to retiring. Mm-hmm. And and lastly, I just want to say that because a lot of people were saying, oh, well, he was walking through a construction site where he wasn't supposed to be. Let's get it clear real quick. Several people walked through that same mm-hmm. construction site within the span of months. It was a very, a lot of people during night and day, there were there were white couples, kids, everybody were walking through this construction site. So nothing was specific about Ahmad Arbery walking through that construction site. He didn't take anything. He didn't do anything. Even if he did, that still doesn't warrant a death. So that in a nutshell sums it up. Uh, it was just devastating completely um so next i want to talk about um brianna taylor who was killed on march 13th when her and her boyfriend were sleeping the um, the police executed Mm -hmm. a no knock uh, search warrant search warrant so meaning that they are not obligated to knock before entering the premises however they did knock um, Brianna Taylor and her boyfriend Kenneth Walker, they called out asking who is it. The police did not respond, and instead they bulldozed into the house. And Kenneth Walker is a legal gun owner. He has a right to carry a gun and has a permit for it. He shot out because he did not know who was entering his house. The police were not dressed in their uniform. And then the police responded by shooting 22 rounds back at them. Eight of them going into Breonna Taylor and Breonna Taylor was announced dead um, I believe on the scene and currently the only person who I think is facing any legal actions right now is Kenneth Walker for attempted murder so Mm -hmm. and the beauty of it is they said today that the that the police officer that got shot was shot it turned out it's pretty much friendly fire well, yeah. So he was shot by like another officer. Wow. And, really? Yeah. Wow. And then, yep. And that um, the in, the no knock warrant that was executed, the guy was supposed to, you know, thought it was like a drug dealer living in there. Turns out the suspect that they were looking for was already locked up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to remember yeah. that the person that they were looking for was already locked up. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 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 <laughs> And then, Jody, do you want to fill us in on the details surrounding Sean Reed? Yeah, so Sean Reed, um, well, I think what it is, he, I guess he live streamed uh, the chase that he was kind of happening, that was happening between him and the cops. I'm not 100% sure why he was running from the cops. Um, Mm -hmm. 
all that I know is that he was shot <laughs> and that he was killed. And and while he was live streaming, you, over, you overheard the cop standing over him saying, he's like, oh, it looks like it's going to be a closed casket for him. And yeah. yeah. And that cop has been put on administrative leave. I don't know with or without pay, but it brings into question um, Sean Reed is a veteran, frankly. And he's suffering mm-hmm. from PTSD and he had, and this, his family says he has like some mental issues. And so, yeah. Um, Freddie, do you have anything to add about Sean Reed? Um, for Sean Reed, I, I believe, well, she pretty much knows as much as I do, but, um, yeah, yeah it, was, it was a situation where the cops literally chuckled and you know, yeah. made that wow. afterwards. And, um, I want to say that in, in, in Sean Reed and, um, in all of these cases, actually no cops have been held responsible. No cop yeah. have been held responsible. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I don't even think they know the, the arresting cops names and, um, these cases i don't think they even really mm-hmm. but they no cops were held responsible um even not even everybody in the situation was held responsible as far as uh, i'm going back to arbory um the third guy who recorded and helped you know trap arbory was not arrested so yeah and, and anything accessory to murder that is a crime so but he was let loose he's not arrested he's still home free enjoying his life yeah but they're making some so, weird excuses about the third guy because he was saying he was just kind of happened to be following along. When in all actuality, yeah. it's just like, no, for you to be following along that closely to have your camera ready the entire time, that means you were called. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And it yeah. is disgusting that it had to take a video for public outrage of this situation mm-hmm. to have some type of yeah. impact on the case. It's disgusting that we had to wait nine weeks mm-hmm. for anything to be done. Yeah, um, it is really it's disgusting and it's heartbreaking. Um, I want us to talk about that in a couple of minutes because I want us to talk about like just the like the function of these videos and what's their part in all of this kind of in the Black Lives Matter movement. But first, I really want to talk about Nina Pop, mm-hmm. who wasn't killed by police officers. However, Nina Pop is a black trans woman from Missouri and she was found stabbed in her house on May 3rd, and she is the 10th known per, um, trans woman to be killed this year. Um, I feel like we really need to talk about, when we're talking about Black Lives Matter, we need to talk about an intersectional approach to Black Lives Matter. We need to talk about who is the most vulnerable mm-hmm. within the Black community, and truly Black trans women are probably one of the most vulnerable populations of the Black um, community, in part because we don't talk about the violence that black trans women face right it's something that we are far too comfortable ignoring (laughs) um far too comfortable not identifying with and i truly believe that we will not be successful within our movement for black lives if we keep excluding black trans people if we keep excluding black queer people within the struggle so yeah so i want to make sure that we talk about her as well through this whole conversation mm-hmm. um very quickly though also before we beginning like begin into the conversation i just want to take a second for us to check in i think <laughs> it's really important to check in um some of these are like some of our like i'm trying to think of summaries i think or just kind of like recounting of these um cases and these deaths and these murders 
is more detailed than others. And that is because there's more information out for others than there are. So like Sean Reed, I honestly did not even hear about Sean Reed until moments before this recording. And I think that also plays a part of like the trauma of experiencing this is that knowing that not all of these deaths are created equal. Um, So I think like how I'm feeling right now is numb and that numbness is offering some form of protection, but it's also offering me distance that may not be the most active in like solving or helping being a part of the solution. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I'm feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand that. And for me, I, this entire time, especially uh, in conjunction with isolation from just, you know, from the, the pandemic, not really being able to go out too much and you just pretty much mm-hmm. stay in, you got to try to keep yourself busy, but the news is still playing all of that. Um, I was angry. That was more of my, my emotion. I was very angry. I even a couple of days ago, I had the craziest racist dreams where in my dream, I was crying and then I woke up sobbing like really really crying and I never had a racist dream before it was like I really had to get myself together I had to really like Franny you need to get it together like this this, that I was terrified when I woke up so Mm -hmm. I just I yeah for me anger filled me from these cases yes I mean I know with me you guys know me I'm pretty much the most optimistic person on the planet but for with kind of take into account like what franny says like with everything that's kind of going on in the world outside with the pandemic and then this on top of that you know it just kind of from i don't want to say it's like you know to being sarcastic it was business as usual you get what i mean Mm -hmm. and for me i just find it annoying all of it just annoying all of this is just annoying because it's like i i want to feel angry but then at the same time it's like i'm kind of tired of feeling angry over this because no no matter what we say no matter what we do no matter how many hashtags no matter how many runs that these people do it's it's you want to have hope that that things will change Mm-hmm. But at the same time, too, you know it's just going to stay the same because it's business as usual, you know. It, and so it's just just apps. It's just annoying. All of it's annoying, you know. Um, it's annoying that it took for a video to come out for there mm-hmm. to be outrage, you know. It's annoying for me to kind of be on social media albeit the only social media i'm on is instagram and seeing all these hashtags and and seeing all these people saying you know you'll run with the mod i'm gonna see all these people i'm gonna say white people you know like run with the mod like what else are you doing you know that's an action step but what what are you doing what else are you doing and then why is it that it takes for you to be able to see this video you know for you to actually believe what's been going on when throughout social media for since the first happened it's been discussed but nobody was off you didn't hop onto that and why is it that you have to see a video for you to believe something you know mm-hmm. why do you have to actually see a dead body right yeah and it's, to me it's just to me to me all of it is just it's just annoying the whole yeah 
Yeah, and that's how I feel. I'm still optimistic because yeah. I'm me, but um, <laughs> but annoyed is how I feel. Yeah, and I think like for me, with in regards to like video footage, is even like in the beginning of like kind of like the Black Lives Matter movement, we have all these video footage coming up and I was just like what's the point of this and my mom used to argue like well like if that video footage didn't exist then these cases would get no attention I'm like true 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 um however going back to what you're saying Jody why does it take video footage for Mm -hmm. it to be believed why does Mm -hmm. it take video footage for some people not even all people to Mm -hmm. think that person was innocent Mm -hmm. um and then what message, but to me, I'm really concerned, like what message does the video footage send? And the message is different depending on your race. Mm-hmm. So if you are a white person and you, you didn't even need to see the video footage, but you heard about Trayvon Martin, um, you're now hearing about Ahmaud Arbery. You heard about Sean, um, oh my Reed. goodness. Reed. Not Sean Reed. Reed. Um, Eric Garner, sorry, Eric Garner, yeah. Sean Reed, you've seen Sandra Bland. I feel like if you are a white person, the like what you get from that is even if you have video footage and evidence saying 100% you are guilty, mm-hmm. you can get away with this. Mm-hmm. And your legal system would support you mm-hmm. because let's not forget it. These police officers are not being arrested. Nope. predominantly are not being arrested. These police officers are, in fact, being protected. I think some of the only policy that has come out of the Black Lives Matter movement has been policy enforced to protect police officers. Mm-hmm. Body camera footage, I don't think that's meant to protect citizens. It's meant to protect police officers because I have yet to see it really protect citizens. Exactly. Um, you know, so like if you're black though i think these message and what it's telling you is that even if people have video footage saying that i am 100 percent innocent i know that i will still be looked at as being guilty mm-hmm. i know that this will not make a difference in a court of law so i just wonder like what how is it empowering one group of people to continue doing this and how it is traumatizing constantly traumatizing another group of people well, you and know all how <laughs> i don't know okay i was about to say like you know you know how they like their trauma porn mm-hmm. you always have to be seen in a state of of um strife <laughs> yeah we can't be seen ever be seen in a in, in a state of joy because that makes people uncomfortable mm-hmm. and i also feel like like you just said, Charles, um, the fact that the, these incidents are spoken about, they're brought to light, they're, they're publicized in the media. Sometimes they even have a video and still some most of the time nothing um, gets done. It's starting to embolden a certain crowd. Yeah. And yeah. starting to really allow those people to be even more racist, even more nasty, even more, you know, malicious yeah. about what they want to do to people they they don't really give a fuck about. So it, it's really, it's, <laughs> ah, man, this is crazy. I mean, as you say that, Franny, it's like how about, about, you know, 
emboldening people it brings up to something that kind of happened around the same time when the video between a uh, video of Ahmad came out about a family I want to say it's in North Carolina um, <laughs> essentially a lynch mob came to her door you know oh, looking mm. for um, someone went missing and they were they were convinced that if they were in this house her teenage son went to the door to try to open the and they were trying to come inside to look for to look for this young woman he said that mm. she's not there they don't know exactly who you're talking about what's happening the mother went there they were insistent upon being let into the house while one of the people within the mob was an actual cop and i believe he was in uniform wow. at the time wow. and wow. but he but he had nothing to do with it and so the so the woman refused to let them in the house because like they were like you have the wrong house and then she called nine one one and went no the cop wasn't in uniform um, when she when the police came the one cop recognized the other cop and then that cop realized they've got the wrong house and told them to leave nobody got arrested nobody Wait. got a spoken to nobody got an apology so. Yeah. What is this how you want to make America great again by allowing mobs to come to your house and not even there? I think it happened um, in Michigan as well, too. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's very important to recognize like the time frame that Trump was talking about when he said make America great again. Mm-hmm. That period. And I don't really know what period he refers to when he talks about that. Yeah. Um, However, if I could think about, I don't think he's talking about in modern history. So I'm thinking he's talking about early 1900s, um, mid 1900s, 1800s, 1700s. Who the fuck knows? Um, George Wallace. What we need to understand is that he's talking about make America great again for white people. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why America was great for white people during that time, because the conditions that were put onto black people. Absolutely. So when... He now a part of this whole vision of making America great again, and I'm saying that within quotation marks, is to go back to the conditions of treating black people the same way they were treated during that time period that Mm -hmm. whoever follows Trump's is associating make America great again with. Because he never Trump himself never specifies what time period he's talking about. Mm -hmm. So he leaves his even though regardless of what he's talking about, it's racist as fuck, but he leaves his his followers, because I can only call them followers because it's like a cult, he leaves his followers to come up with that time frame of their own imagination. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And some of them want to go back to slavery. Like, mm-hmm. quite literally. We cannot forget about the guy who um, had a girl, like, locked in a cage and was not even arrested for, or did not get any jail time or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know? Really? Oh, yeah, one. black girl. He like locked a black girl in a cage. I will have to Google it. So, yeah, if you guys want to like talk amongst yourselves while I Google that really quick. No, it's fine. Uh, I could Google it. On you know, <laughs> we're kind of veering off course because I was getting ready to talk about Obamagate. <laughs> that, yeah, I was gonna mention that too. I was, I was like, yeah. That he did the same yeah, but, thing you just you yeah. mentioned about like letting letting people kind of leaving it up to them to figure it out what he's saying because he's so incredibly vague. So mm-hmm. he'll say, "Hey, oh, Obamagate created the, the the committed the worst crime in political history," and that's all he'll say. And his followers got it; they will they mm-hmm. will be on it. And, but I just wanted to go back and comment on what you were saying, Jody. The mm-hmm. fact that that mob 
thought mm-hmm. that they had the right to enter a person's house and search with guns mm-hmm. a drawn. That mm-hmm. that alone, it, there's a problem here. There's a huge problem here in America. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole vigilante, Justice white savior, yeah, white savior complex, like it's a problem. Um, and man, yo, I've seen it. Like I've seen it in like in New York City in those like moments where you're just trying to get the fuck home. And I remember like I was on a train and this on the Long Island Railroad, which collects tickets that you have to pay more money for. Um, the ticket conductor comes up and like clicks your ticket like it's a real railroad. And this woman had a ticket that expired like that day. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, no. That's what happened. The ticket that she had was like good the next day, but she was able to use it that morning. It was clipped like somebody took it. So they allowed her to use it like a day early in the morning. So she got rid of her previous ticket. And the lady was like, you need to get a new ticket. You need to pay for a new ticket right now. And she's like, I don't have any money on me. So you can send me a bill and I'll pay for it that way. Well, you have $20 in your wallet. So why don't you pay for it like with that $20? And I'm like, like, you don't get to tell somebody like to get You don't know what that $20 is used for. So anyways, a white guy was listening over this whole conversation. And the woman, obviously, who had the ticket, um, who owed, who needed to pay her ticket was a black woman. The ticket conductor was a white woman. And the guy goes to, like, the white woman was being, like, the ticket conductor was being so rude to her, was being nasty, was being unprofessional. Um, I think it's kind of, I personally think it's abusive for somebody to look at somebody's wallet and tell them to take that money out and give it to me. I don't think that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the it's guy. It's because you goes, just have home training. <laughs> well, you know, something yeah. that not all of us have, I guess. True. Um, so then the Oh man. So then the white guy goes, um, ma'am, ticket like to the ticket ticket conductor, do you need help? Do you need help? Like, and I'm just like, what does she need help? She's terrorizing this person and you're asking her for help. Like if she needs help, like this lady is doing nothing. She's not getting loud, she's not doing anything, but yet this like this white savior thing, and especially in relationship to white women, but we're definitely getting off topic, is mm-hmm. ridiculous to me. It's mm-hmm. so ridiculous. Well, you know the hierarchy of protection when it comes to women who's at the top, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. what kind of help are you about to offer? Come on now. I know. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you, you are. Her? Like, come on. It's so ridiculous. But, anyways, I also want to get into just kind of like the difference in coverage of these two, of these study the two these four different cases which mm-hmm. is also like to me absolutely like devastating that we have four different people that we're talking about in one episode right um, but these cases are not being covered equally and we talked about this quickly before we started rec- um, recording about and Franny you could kind of repeat what she said to me because I was like you know I want I want Needham Pot to get as much attention as um, Ahmaud Arbery, you know, and they're not getting the same type of attention. Brady, do you want to say what you said? Right. I was just saying that I didn't want to 
make I didn't I, I wanted I didn't want to take away from the attention that Ahmad Arbery is getting because that is very important. But I think that yeah. every case, every single black life that is taken needs to get the same amount of attention. Every yeah. one matters just as equally. So whether it's a transgender or a queer uh, black life or a, fe- a woman black life or whoever. Black lives matter all across the board and every single case should get the same amount of attention and it should it should receive the same amount of outrage. Yeah, yeah, it needs to receive the same amount of outrage. And I saw like a post going around social media. You guys know I am the queen of not screenshotting these posts and (laughs) remembering the name of the person who posted. Oh, I'm so bad at this. But it was like, it's a problem to see a connection with Ahmaud Arbery. It's a problem to see a connection with Breonna Taylor and to not see a connection with Nina Pop. You know, Mm. like to think that her experience is different from your experience because you don't identify as trans is greatly mistaken. Mm. And we need to find shared experiences because I think that's what it is it's like we need to find shared experiences with identities that are not our own and I say that across the board with people who are not black people who are white people who are Hispanic people who are like you know you need to find shared experiences across the board and Mm. like kind of like connect on that way Mm. yeah do you think it's because um and it was just in my head and it just kind of uh, it just kind of popped out do you oh you think it's because like you know we've become a, si- a society of visual learners you know but we have to kind of see to learn now that we we no longer can just read something and just feel like a sense of sort of you know empathy for the person that we actually have to see it for it to be real I mean I think in part maybe but I also think that I think that we respond differently depending on who the victim is. I think that we, for a very long time, have been like the way history is taught. It's very male-centered. We experience Black history through the lens of Black males. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we experience the Black Lives Matter movement through the lens of Black males, even though it was started by Black queer women. Like, let's just make that very clear. Like, you know? Every Um, episode, let's remember that. Remind people of that. Yeah. So... We need to, I think that's our default. We Mm -hmm. identify the worst of, and that's not to say that black men are not targeted in greater numbers. And that's not to say that um, black men don't experience horrific treatment for being just black men. They are feared for being black men. Mm -hmm. And I want to recognize the privilege I have as being a black woman and as being like a lighter skinned black woman. I know I hold a great deal of privilege within that. And I've for the most part, can say that there are very rare times where I think, uh, that's not necessarily true. I don't think I'm as frightened about my race as other people might be frightened about their race and their gender. Like, Mm. you know, so Mm -hmm, I want to recognize that. However, I do think that there is a fear of if I die, are people going to be, is it going to be something that even the media cares about? Like, you know, or is it going to be like a subset of people who care about it? It's the same thing with, like, the Me Too movement. Why is it that people were still, like, kind of to this day, people, like, 
don't really talk that much about R. Kelly or, mm. you know, or like, why was it that um, Harvey Weinstein had to make it very clear that he did not try to sexually assault Lupita Nyong'o, but did not really name other people my name. Like, you, mean? you know, so I think mm. it's like, still the truth is that, yeah, and I think that what we need to talk about in terms of like identity and like intersectionality is that, yeah, like black men are covered at a higher rate than black women are received and mm-hmm. are received more attention than black women, but black women are covered at a higher rate than black trans people are. Mm-hmm. And we all need to recognize like our privileges within that and the privileges that we hold and learn how to advocate for people who are experiencing an oppression that is very different from the way you experience oppression and the way they experience oppression might be more silencing and might not get the the same type of detention attention so i think that yeah i think that in regards to like nina pop i mean outside of you kind of both kind of telling me more about like what happened to her what i've only ever seen is that you know how you know those digital artists like to make those 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 pictures that yeah. you can kind of post up on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. That was that. And I only saw that for maybe a couple of days and that was gone. Yeah. You know? And I, I think that kind of taps into like that 24-hour news cycle. Yeah. You know? um, and like, I haven't really seen that many art, um, articles on her and her death. I see... No. Um, I like the latest articles from two days ago saying that they made an arrest. And something that I was doing was reading a lot of um, just kind of like lit- like just different news articles around it and they mm-hmm. all took the same clipping from like one news article's interview with like a trans right activist. So they're not even doing their own investigation. They're not even making their own connections. They're just recycling one article to create many different other articles about it. Like, you know, so I think it's very lazy journalism that's happening around it. Um, yeah. And that says something. So to me, when you go, well, is it a lack of a video? I think it's a lack of care. More and than I was going to say, like, before, yeah. you, before this episode, I didn't even hear about Nina Pop. Yeah. Before we, you, you really, this discussion before we started recording, I'm like, what happened? So, to, and that's ridiculous. That should be a headliner. Yeah. And then something that we need to, I think, with also with Nina Pop is that, it's not a look outward necessarily. We're not looking at police officers. We're not looking at white people. We're looking at violence within the black community and how mm-hmm. black men in particular respond, black cis men and how they respond to black trans women. Mm-hmm. And that's a conversation that I think a lot of people are more than comfortable to walk away from. Mm-hmm. And to like wipe the hands clean and not have to be like, and not have to take responsibility for it. And it's a, also a conversation that I think even people who would call themselves allies, and I'm like kind of, I will include myself into this group of people, are not always willing to call people out on, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, maybe I'm more comfortable with somebody saying something that's transphobic and me not doing my job as an ally to call that out to the capacity that it needs to be called out to educate, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. that we need to do a lot on allyship um, and understanding what it is that, how we as people who experience oppression can also be an ally to another group of people too. Yes, because we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't look at ourselves and demand that like white people and other non-white POCs be allies to us if we can't be allies 
yeah. to the marginalized within our own community. Yeah. That's just that's us being completely hypocritical. Yeah, you know? right. we can't be upset for people denying our humanity if we're gonna go out. Yeah, humanity. Exactly. Um, yeah, and that and that's not to say that black trans women experience violence from black men exclusively. Um, mm-hmm. I think black trans women experience violence from a lot of different people and mm-hmm. a lot of different races and a lot of different genders. Um, just want to make that clear. Right. But I think it's one of the types, it's one of those cases. Also, we could talk about um, Black women dying from domestic violence and, mm-hmm. and kind of like talk that into a group of cases that or type of demographics that we don't want to talk about because it makes us look at ourselves. It makes us look mm-hmm. at our community and how we treat our women in this community, quite frankly. Right. It goes back yeah. to the old adage of being like, we don't want to air our dirty laundry. Yeah. Yeah. But the only way you can clean your dirty laundry is if you actually, you know, do something about it. If you don't, you can't fix it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you don't address it, you can't just turn a blind eye to it. Mm -hmm. You just can't. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Exactly. So there was actually one more thing I wanted to talk about in relation to these cases. And this is specifically, actually, I think it could talk about, um, a lot of different cases, even though I don't have specific examples for all of them. So don't mind me. This is the um, not fully researched episode of this. My bad. Um, don't air our dirty laundry, Jimmy. I know, but these come <laughs> up while I'm like recording and then I don't think of them beforehand. That's just kind of how it goes. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to talk about policies that protect people of who are white and like just mm-hmm. white supremacist policies. So when we talk about a no-knock search warrant being Mm -hmm. able to just barge into somebody's house and not in uniform who does that Mm -hmm. protect police officers and like um stand your ground policies who does that protect um i think in certain states it's still like or was a legal this is the part where i was saying i'm not fully researched um legal defense to like use like oh, he was gay, and, like, that's why I did violence onto that mm-hmm. person. Like, you know? Mm-hmm. Queer fear defense. And what policies do we have in place that really kind of protects white supremacist patriarchal systems? Even even uh, this self-defense or citizen's arrest, those don't protect black yeah. people. Those mostly protect white people. And going yeah. back to when you see, like, the um, stand your ground. There's clear cut cases of that being not fi- like not equal. Like of course Trayvon Martin, it did not help him yeah. at all. Zimmerman walked free, and there was a similar case with a black woman who, for her life, because she was being a she was in a domestic situation, and she rang out a shot mm-hmm. to protect her family from her abusive, uh, I believe, husband or boyfriend, and she mm-hmm. was arrested for not shooting anyone just shooting a warning shot she was arrested taken away from her kids and i think it was very little coverage on that at the time and and until the trayvon martin case came up and it was like hey well what about that one and still very little done about it at the time so it yeah i think she was sentenced to like sorry i think she was sentenced like 15 years in prison for just shooting that shot ridiculous Mm -hmm. ridiculous While a man took a life, a, yeah. a boy's life, and he walked free, he was able to go ahead and go on um, 
what was it? Uh, I don't know if it was eBay, but he sold the gun that he even killed the boy with. He's even trying to sue the family of the boy he killed. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that these laws just... It's it's laughable. They, they it's basically they're laughing in black people's face and reminding us that the, we are not created equal. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and I think something that Diddy said that kind of raised a lot of controversy. Controversy. I got a speech impediment, guys. Don't mind me. Anyways, Diddy <laughs> said something, and <laughs> he was just basically like, you know, this election, you guys need to earn the black vote. The black vote's not a given. And I think he phrased it in a way where kind of people were just like, oh, Diddy's telling people not to vote. And I agree with Diddy. I think that the black vote needs to be earned. I think that Mm -hmm. um, I think I want Trump out the White House. Yes, I'm not going to tell people not to vote. However, I don't want to just like the fact that um, you have like people on The View, Meghan McCain saying that the black vote like basically is going to Joe Biden because it's a given. That's a problem because then I think you need you can stop advocating for the black vote. Like, you know, you can stop advocating for black people. Um, however, I really wish that Diddy would talk about or like people would talk more about policy reform and electing on a local level and the importance mm-hmm. to elect people who have policy that will protect you. Um, mm-hmm. It's really important. Yeah. Like we need to get because, you know, I'm out. You know me, I'm heavily involved in local politics in my little neighborhood. Yeah. So there we go. And we're working really hard to kind of not only right now um, change some policy, but also kind of change out some of our representatives because they're not doing anything to benefit the yeah. people that live in my neighborhood. Yeah. You know, right. including our congresswoman. And, and, and she's a black woman. And you want to support black people. But what if you're not doing anything to support your own constituents you're never here and you're benefiting from gentrification by getting um office space in a 24-story building in a neighbor in an area where the average salary is forty-five thousand dollars for a family of four and a studio goes for 2800 that's a problem mm-hmm. right yeah. you know sorry i went off on a tangent there but just to kind of say about you know looking up you need to change the policy at like a micro level yeah right and, and it'll work up to like a macro level. Yeah. And I truly believe you know? that. I think it's more of a, like a grassroots approach to politics, but I think it's a very important mm-hmm. approach to politics that we need to take on. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. do you guys have any more thoughts to say? Any words before we um, this episode up? I think I, I want to say them in terms of like Breonna Taylor. I find it interesting that the people who are basically i want to i want to use the word i don't like using the capping but just base making sure that her her name is staying out there mm-hmm. um are the black women activists yeah more so than the black women activists because they're kind of focused on ahmad and i don't want to say names but uh-huh. but kind of looking at the ones <laughs> yeah. who are just making because you know me you and i chelsea we got we got differences about said person about. <laughs> you know who i'm talking about you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, my favorite person. Um, but I fi- I love the fact that, you know, there's the black female, the black female, the black women activists are kind of saying, well, we need to make sure that her name stays out there mm-hmm. because there are people out there who's going to try and bury it amongst our own community. 
you know, and the fact that what happened to her and what happened to him and what happened to Sean and what happened to Nina, it's the same. Yeah. They're different people, but it's the same. It's the same trauma. Yeah. And that we just need to make sure that she's included, just like how yeah. Nina needs to be included as in the in the conversation yeah. as well. Too. I was just going to say, like, also the same could be applied to Nina Pop. The people who are keeping her name in the media are the black trans activists. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. how I became aware is through their work and their postings mm -hmm. on social media. That's the only way mm -hmm. I did not see anything in the media about it until I Googled it after seeing a post from one of my friends on Facebook. So that's interesting that you said that, Chelsea, about you you realizing it and I post on social media because I was just about to ask, um, specifically, I guess, because Ahmaud Arbery, his case was, you know, very popular. And I wanted to I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think, what do you think really uh, drove the arrests of some of the people included in the, in the, I mean, in the crime? Was it because we all signed the petitions, you know, mm -hmm. we all watched it in the media and everything. We all reposted things. We all ran for a mob, you know, but what was it? Was it the petitions? Was it specifically the post? And then what, if it is, if it is that, what could we do? Do we take hold of the media and do we advocately just continuously post and post and post to make, you know, to get the word out there about the people, like the Nina, the Nina pops yeah. to make it more relevant. Yeah. What do we do? So I, I can tell you. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's the video. It's the video. It's the video. What did it? It's the video that came out and it came out on that person's page that has a lot of white followers and they kind of ran off with it. And then it ended up getting more media attention in the bigger newspapers, like at the New York Times on the national news. And essentially the, you know, the police department got shamed into yeah. actually having to do something because if that video didn't come out because the petitions to get something done, that's been going on since the poor boy was killed. The poor boy, the poor man, you know, was murdered. Ain't nothing happened. But yeah. when this video came out, all of a sudden people started saying, well, we actually have to do something. And then between that time from when he was murdered in February to now, the amount of cover up that was had gone on. Yeah. You know, and then to actually kind of put like, um, well, take out one attorney, take out one district attorney and put a black woman district attorney who's also a Republican and then for, totally for optics. And in the in the photo of her saying, well, now she's the one that's in charge of the case. It's just like, oh, come on. This is totally for optics. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I, just, I feel like. We need to be very careful here to not think that action mm -hmm. has really taken place yet just because someone was arrested. Yeah. Like, first mm -hmm. of all, George Zimmerman was arrested. Um, and acquitted. And acquitted. I'm trying to think of other people's names who were arrested and acquitted. But they, they all get arrested. And like, you know, mm -hmm. not them all, but most of them get arrested, at least. And mm -hmm. the acquittal is what really matters. So... While the video might have gotten an arrest, I don't know if it's going to get us a conviction. I don't know if it's going to get us the justice. And quote, unquote, the justice is like, really, because what does justice look like at this point? I don't mm -hmm. think it's just plainly arresting a cop at this point. It needs to be more like pol um, policy change. It needs to look more in like justice is more changing the resources that are given to the black community. 
including like education, food, um, job opportunities and stuff like that. That to me is more of what a justice looks like because right now just arresting a single cop here and there is not, mm-hmm. it's not doing anything. Um, yeah. If you were to like, if we were to like, you know, fire cops who have a history of racial violence and prejudice and bias, then that might be another thing, but <laughs> we mm. shall see if that same thing will happen. I doubt it. Um, right. But yeah, I think like on one hand, I want to say the video, but then I think also these videos, while they might get you an arrest, they then get used in a weird way of evidence and evidence manipulation mm. to get an acquittal you know and mm-hmm. the guy who released the video he released it thinking that it would you know exonerate him exonerate him exonerate his friends and mm-hmm. don't forget that that's a very important framing you are really right about that you are so right about you know? that yeah yeah so i you know what i guess going back i would say that my last words on this would be um like you guys said before all black lives matter so if we're going to try to highlight and bring a lot of attention and protest and and hold politicians accountable and it needs to be for all black lives yeah. all black lives we we can do something we can um i i think we have some power with manipulating the media a bit you know mm-hmm. it just we have to be loud we have yeah. to be loud we can't we can't let shit slide but we got to be loud about everybody we got to we got to be very vocal about having everyone's back back and that's the message that you know i think the black community just needs the most yeah i wholeheartedly Um, agree yeah jody no i say i wholeheartedly agree i was like you know we have to be loud about this and we have to show that we can manipulate the media just like how you know we can manipulate pop culture Mm -hmm. you know what i mean if they could take everything that we create and make it their own then you know, we can manipulate the media into believing are that our lives actually matter outside of outside of entertainment purposes. Yeah. Outside of for entertainment purposes. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, my last words is that I really want us to move away from the video evidence. I and it's not that these videos can't be used in a court of law. It's not that these videos cannot be used as evidence, like real evidence in an appropriate mm-hmm. place. Um, but I think showing these videos on media, showing these videos and littering them on our social media pages, is such a weird thing to do. It's such a weird mm-hmm. thing to have to see repeatedly. And something that I always go back on, um, we don't see white people being killed on TV. We don't see white children being shot and killed. We don't see white kids being beat up on TV and having that Mm -hmm. repeated a thousand times over and over and over again. And I really think that to be born in this country is to be born with like a certain level of comfort with watching black pain and witnessing Mm -hmm. that pain. And mm-hmm. even an addiction to it too. Like we're addicted to it. There's something about mm-hmm. it that's addicting. Whether or not you fall on the side of this is fucked up or whether or not you fall on the side of ha ha, we got them. Like, you know, there's an addiction mm-hmm. quality to it that makes us repost it, that makes us view it a thousand times. And yeah. I think about the trauma that does to our brains. Um, us as black people, I think that does a lot of trauma. I think that does a lot of vicarious trauma. Um, I think it does a lot of 
weird things to white people's brains. I think it does a lot of weird things to other different nationalities and racist names um, mm-hmm. brains. Mm-hmm. So like, I think my last word would be like, just examine why. So if you're somebody who's reposting this, really examine why and really right you can get the message out without Mm -hmm. the violence yeah you can get the message out without showing the actual violence think about the families of that person they don't want to receive that their child or their family member uh killed over and over and over that's not what they want i could not imagine like (sighs) i really couldn't imagine that I, I just exactly just having to turn every time you turn on the TV, your child or your family member is the person that's making the news and you're literally seeing this bloodshed. It's 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 inhumane. Yeah. You can't do we have to take consideration to the people who this really affects. And even if it's not not our family member, it still affects us. Yeah. So mm-hmm. really be conscious about what you're reposting, what you decide to, you know, call uh attention to mm-hmm. you know like you don't have to put the whole video you don't have to do that you don't have a simple you know detailed or even just news article we'll be fine that yeah. is nice we'll be yeah fine. and like and if you're posting it because you want to like you're under the guise of being informative it's not informative um yeah it's, or it's not any less or any more informative than reading a news article or talking about it mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's really like an examination that we need to do on, in ourselves, um, on a like individual platform and then also like on a community platform in the media platform, national platform, like what's our addiction with this? Cause it's sick and it's hard to just keep, like, I haven't watched that video and I have zero plans to watch it because I can't Same. do it. I just can't do that to my soul. Not again. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's how I'm taking care of myself. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, guys. Please stay safe. Um, Please stay healthy. And I mean that in more ways than one. I mean, stay safe from coronavirus, but stay safe within yourself. Stay safe with out in this world. I feel like every day there's a new thing that we can do while Black and... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like I don't even know how to say the sentence anymore or how to close it, but stay safe. Prioritize mental safety. Yeah, that too. That is. I'm at the point now where it's just kind of like, you know, when a computer, just turn it off and turn it back on. Can we just turn off the world and turn it back on again and start over? You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, Word. that's where I'm at. That's yeah. where I'm at. I'm ready to be an amoeba again. Can you we know. just... Start we can over. do a whole episode on how I think this is like the last year of the world. But anyway. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, might be a little bit too real. <laughs> I mean, honestly, because we call some of all things that we want to do. But let's make sure it's not the end of the world. <laughs> Going back to the conversation we were having before we start recording. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Take care. Uh, and we'll talk to y'all soon. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Bye.